0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Brand sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code BUTTERY. So head to BOLLandBranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another adventurous adventure episode of Gamer Daddy. I don't know why I said it like that. Um, So just so you know, as a minor disclaimer, um, I am recording this episode Wednesday, which is my normal day to release for the midweek, and I'm not having a chance to get it out until Thursday. Thursday. Um, just out of not having the time to actually edit it and go through it till Thursday. So you guys will see this and hear this on Thursday. Anyways, so if you don't know what Gamer Daddy is, Gamer Daddy is a retro game podcast where I, Anthony, your host, am trying to beat his retro games um, and any other games he has uh, the week prior. Also, I'll play a game the week prior and then podcast about it um so with this record i'm trying to get two podcasts in a week um so what that would look like is either i'm playing through two retro games a week and then podcasting for both or i'm playing through one and then i'll have a um interview, podcast, another. So I like to do the interview podcasts midweek, though. That kind of seems like a nice filler until I get the episode done. And that might be what happens later on when I start covering things like role-playing games and games that just take longer time. Um, like uh, when I play like uh, Dungeons & Dragons on the Super Nintendo or whatever, that game's going to take a while. so um, And just for that, so RPG games and games of that caliber are probably going to be um, Sunday episodes, uh, just to fill time, uh, and just so I have time to, to play through and play, um, and they're going to be just parts, like, I'll probably do part one, part two until I get through, um, so that's going to be what the, the gaming schedule is going to look like, and then too, if I have a lot of time off at some point, then, uh, because I've been working, so, uh, COVID hasn't affected me, but if I have time off in between, so like a four-day stretch or whatever, then I will be putting more time in and I might just do the parts one day at a time for each each day off I have. Anyways, that's a long rant. Gamer Daddy is a retro game podcast where I play a game um, prior to the, the record and then uh, it's all in the attempts to uh, beat my retro games and any other games, which by now all of them are retro, um, so that I can get a PS5, uh, which projected out will be in like 10 years. So... So cool. Anyways, um, with all that being said, uh, the game I'm going to be talking about today is Adventure Island. So, knowing that we're in the Game Boy era for my retro game podcast, um, we're going to cover Adventure Island on the Game Boy. Uh, Adventure Island known as Takahashi Meijin Noboken Jima or Master Takahashi. Toshi's Adventure Island in Japan is a video game series produced by Hudson Soft that started with the series of uh, with the release of Adventure Island for the Famicom and MSX on separ- September 12, 1986 in Japan. Adventure Island began development as a direct port of the Sega arcade one- game Wonder Boy, to which Hudson Soft obtained the rights for developer Escape, now known as West Own Bit Entertainment. During the development of the port, the decision was made to change the character design of the protagonist Protagonist modeling him and naming him after Hudson soft spokesman Takahashi Majin in the western version of Adventure Island The Takahashi Majin character was renamed Master Higgins While the Wonder Boy series adapted an action RPG system for its sequels, beginning with Wonder Boy in Monster Land, most of the Adventure Island sequels stuck to the game system of the original Wonder Boy. Moreover, Hudson Soft also obtained the rights to port all of the Wonder Boy sequels to the TurboGrafx-16. Cannot wait until I hit that part of the retro gaming series. Changing the title and character design of each game, with the exception of Wonder Boy 3 Monsters Lair... Incidentally, the Japanese version of Dragon's Curse, the TurboGrafx-16 adaptation of Wonder Boy 3 The Dragon's Trap, was titled Adventure Island. The rights to Adventure Island series are currently owned by Konami, who absorbed Hudson Soft in 2012. So as a kind of overview, since this is the first Adventure Island for the Game Boy, um, and I will be playing Adventure Island 2 starting tomorrow... And working my way through it so that Sunday I can make a Adventure Island two episode. Um, we'll go through the the games and their releases. So Adventure Island the original was made 19, was released in nineteen eighty six uh, Nintendo Entertainment System, uh, aka Famicom or MS and MSX. Um, um, and then it ported to Game Boy, Advanced, uh, mobile phones, and Wii Virtual Console. Uh, and it's the, an adaptation of the game Wonder Boy. Uh, Adventure Island 2, 1991 for the NES, ports the Game Boy, which is the one I played, Game uh, Game Boy Advance and Nintendo 3DS, Um, Hudson Adventure Island, uh, Western Game Boy release. Super Adventure Island was in 1992, Super Nintendo Entertainment System uh, and Super Famicom, and then ported to the Wii Virtual Console. Uh, New Adventure Island, which was 1992... Uh, TurboGrafx-16 and our PC Engine, Uh, and then it was ported to the Wii Virtual Console, PlayStation Portable PlayStation 3, Wii U Virtual Console, and Windows Uh, Adventure Island 3, 1992 also, uh, was NES and then ported to Game Boy, Game Boy Advanced Um, and it says in the notes Adventure Island 2, Aliens in Paradise which is the next one I'm playing Um, and then in Japan um Takeshi Majin no Boken Jima 4 in 94, which was released on the Famicom and then ported to the Game Boy Advanced, and it was released only in Japan, but I might have a copy since I'm doing uh, uh, Retro Pi. And then the next one in 94 was Super Adventure Island 2, um, and it was made for the Super Nintendo or the Super Famicom and ported to the Wii Virtual Console. Hudson Selection Volume 4, uh, Takahashi Meijin no Bokenjima, was PlayStation 2, Nintendo, GameCube. And it was released in 2003, and it was a remake of Adventure Island, which sounds awesome, because this game was fun. Um, Super Adventure Island, which is 2004, um, and it was released for mobile phones, and it says here, an adaptation of Wonder Boy in Monster Land, released for mobile phones, lo- no longer available. And re- also releases Shin Takahashi Meijin no Jima. Hudson Best Collection Volume 6, uh, Boken Jima Collection, which was 2006. Game Boy Advanced was uh, what it was released on, and it's a compilation of the four NES games released for the Game Boy Advance Japan only. Uh, Gachawashi Meijin no Boken Jima, which was 2007 for mobile phones. <laughs> mobile phones. Mobile phones! Mobile game released only in Japan, no longer available, uh, in case you're wondering. Uh, Adventure Island The Beginning, uh, which is 2009, and it was released for Wii or WiiWare. Released for the Wii uh, slash WiiWare service, no longer available. And then Adventure Island Quest by Takahashi Meijin, uh, which is 2010, and mobile phones, which is also no longer available uh, ta- so this is another side note, um, as in like appearances in other games, Takahashi Meijin appears as a playable character in the battle mode of Saturn, bo- uh, Saturn's Bomberman, a 1996 Sega Saturn title developed by Hudson Soft. Now here's the thing. Hudson Soft, uh, was such a, a solid, solid producer of games. Like, um, I remember back when I was like 12, 13, 14, and I started getting into emulating and stuff, um... Because my friend had a ton of ROMs on his computer, and we would play through a ton of them. 90% of the games produced by Hudson Soft, and they were amazing. And I cannot wait to get to a lot of the other ones um, after this game. Because Hudson Soft, like I said, is incredible. Um, Takahashi Majin also appeared as a playable character in the crossover fighting game Dream Mix TV World Fighters. Released in Japan for the GameCube on December thirteenth, two 2003. Takahashi Majin also appeared in the sports mobile game uh, Gotcha Pin to Tomuku No Sports Game April in 2008. Um, there is a manga. It's called Famicom Runner. Um, Takahashi Majin Mono Guitarie. Um, Famicom Runner Master Higgins Tale is a manga based on Hudson Soft's character B and Takahashi Meijin. It was released from April 1986 to February 1988 in Japan and was published by Koro Koro Comics and created by Kazuyoshi Kawai. Um, So yeah, there's that if you want to look that up. Sorry if my uh, pronunciation of uh, the Japanese language is terrible. I don't speak it, so... Adventure Island also inspired an animation television series titled, or anime titled, Honeybee in Toy Comb Land, um, which was produced by TMS Entertainment and aired in Japan from October 3rd, 1986 to September 25th, 1987, lasting 51 episodes and having a theatrical film. The series also inspired its own Famicom game titled Takahashi Meijin no Bug TT Honey. Uh, Released on uh, June 5th, 1987, the TV series featured Honey Girl, the bee-like fairy who grants Higgins temporary invincibility in the original game, which I will get to because I didn't know that's what happened when I played through it. I kind of played through it blind, so I got her once and didn't. I was still very cautious, cautious of the bad guys. I didn't know that she gave invincibility. Um... And she was there as a major character. The plot involved the kidnapping of Takahashi, or Master Higgins, and his lady friend. It is Honey Girl's mission to rescue him by enlisting the help of 1UP, Doll, and Midori, three Earth children, who also happened to be video game aces. The series featured Dragon Ball's uh, Minoru Maeda as a character designer and featured storylines incorporating elements of various popular video games on the day of the day. For example, another Hudson character Bomberman makes a cameo in two episodes. So I gotta check that out because um, I really like Dragon Ball so um, that's with, that seems interesting to me just to, I want to kind of see the artwork cuz um, yeah it's probably awesome so let's go over the plot a little bit uh, well we're gonna go over the whole plot the player controls master Higgins known as Takashi Majin uh, in the Japanese version which we know now because we have said it about 300 times a young man who has ventured to Adventure Island in the South Pacific after hearing that the evil witch doctor kidnapped Princess Tina to rescue her Higgins must survive a series of 32 stages there are eight worlds uh, eight worlds called areas, which are divided into four stages or rounds, each which are further divided into the four checkpoints. When the player reaches the fourth round of each area, he must confront a boss at the end of the uh, continue to the next area. The game is completed when the player saves the girl after defeating the eighth and final form of the evil Lord. So this, um, this could be actually really inaccurate uh, just due to the fact that I played the Game Boy version, which is Adventure Island 2, So I actually need to look that up right now, um, which I will. So this is what Game Facts has. Um, It says, You just found out that Princess Leilani was kidnapped by the evil witch doctor and taken to Adventure Island in the South Pacific. You land on Adventure Island without weapons or food. The island is thick with tropical forests, mountains, and caves. Hidden on the island are your skateboard axe, food and other helpful tools you must find by exploring the island better find the weapons and food quickly because you will need them to fight the witch doctor spider snakes bats and demons the evil witch. Uh, before you fight the evil witch doctor he has set lots of traps for you before you can face him one-on-one are you up for the challenge can you live through adventure island and save princess Leilani so this is a bit different because even um, when you beat the game Um, it, the, the end, end caption still says, uh, you've rescued Tina. Um, so it's kind of, kind of odd. So I wonder, I wonder what the, um, I wonder what the version I played, uh, I wonder why they changed it for this description anyways, or if they just forgot to change it and left uh, Tina in there. Okay, so I just looked it up again, and this is becoming a nightmare because I've paused and web-searched and paused and web-searched. This is time three. This is the best one. Tina has been kidnapped by monsters and has been hidden on one of the eight islands. Higgins, or you, must travel from island to island to search for Tina and defeat the monsters. I I like that way better. Uh, It was (laughs) way more simple, and uh, it sucks because I feel like I just wasted a bunch of time. So... Uh, at least you guys got all that crap to listen to. So I pulled up a list of the weapons and items um, just because I had played through it um, and finished and I kind of don't remember everything that you encounter and just in case um, I missed something. So um, there were items, one of the items was an egg. These large eggs contain a set item. There are also hidden eggs that contain a key. The key thing was something that I only got once and it was, it just leads you to a bonus stage where you're bouncing across springboards that are in the sky and it's actually really hard to control. Um, The eggplant, um, this evil vegetable is like an anti-fairy. Basically it drains you, your health meter for about five seconds, very rare to find. I never found one. And another thing about the eggs was um, each egg, when you broke it open, it would have like a a heart or a spade or something like that, and that would dictate what you got. So um, mostly it would be like a dinosaur. A fairy um, is uh, one of the next items. is a small winged female. Um, Once unleashed, she will protect you for about five seconds for some. For some reason, you do not accumulate points when you run through enemies when she is activated. So apparently she works kind of like the star. You um, are invincible, and when you hit enemies, it kills them. And you don't have to use your axe to do that. Uh, Flowers. These items appear only if you already have a hammer and skateboard. This flower will give you uh, 1,000 points. Uh, Fruits. Various fruits will appear out of uh, nowhere. On the screen, each fruit is worth 50 points and restores two bars of health. Only grapes give you 100 points. So yeah, that was another thing about the the game um, is it was a platformer, and basically um, you had a health meter, which was a bunch of notches, and every couple seconds a notch would drain down, um, depending on what you did. Well, it's not really dependent on what you did; it was just how long you sat. So that was basically your like health, but well, not really health. That was your like hunger and if it depleted all the way, you would die. Um, if you got hit, you would die. So it didn't affect. If you got hit, it wouldn't affect that. Um, Game Boy. This item appears after you jump over the coyote and defeat it. This miniature Game Boy gives you a thousand points. I did not get this. Uh, the hammer. This stone hammer. Uh, is the only weapon that you will come across it looked like more of an axe to me it is a primitive weapon with a, a wooden handle and a large stone tied to it once thrown the hammer travels in an arc and has a short range also the hammer cannot destroy rocks or boulders note to get better range, jump and press the attack button. Last note, if you already have this item, and skate, a skateboard will take its place. So basically what it, sa- it means is um, if you already have the axe and then you uh, crack open an egg, it'll pop a skateboard up instead of another axe. Um, the a- Or the hammer. The hammer was cool. Um, it saved my butt a lot because um, basically I was trying to speed through it. So I would be running or jumping and hitting um, the action button to throw them. Um, A key, a basic ordinary looking key found in hidden eggs. These will cause either one of three things to happen, which I thought it was only one thing. One is a cloud will appear at the bottom of the screen and levitate you to the bonus level. The bonus level is a bunch of springs, like I said, in the sky, and you collect fruits as you jump from spring to spring. The second thing that may happen is a bone bone platform will appear under you and levitate you to a special warp area. Uh, The pterodactyl will fly... um, appear under you and levitates you to a special warp area the pterodactyl will fly you to the next island the third thing that may happen is that a wooden platform will take you to a secret room the room will have a strange dinosaur in it which will give you an item the milk bottle uh, basically it's kind of a rare thing you find and it replenishes all of your health and i found out later playing through um as you get farther and farther your health Um, is restored each level less and less. Um, So you have to try to speed through it as fast as you can for one, but it doesn't matter because milk is not always guaranteed. So I think it was kind of a ploy um, that as you progressed, you'd get less health. So you would have to try to do way better at the stage. Um, to get through it. Um, and then the last item they have listed is the skateboard. So basically when you pick the skateboard up, it, um, gives you a helmet and the skateboard and it makes you look like a 90s skateboarder. So you have your helmet, your pads, your skateboard. And what it does is it grants you an additional hit. But the issue is when you do get hit, you lose it all and you flash, but it will save your butt. The issue with the skateboard is even though it's fast, um, you can't really stop with it. So um, I struggled to use it, um, jumping over platforms and stuff because you can't stop and wait for an enemy. You kind of just have to blindly jump, 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 and hope you don't get hit or hope that you jump higher over. Um, It actually makes it more challenging to you. So one of the cool things about the game is um, you would get certain eggs and they would be, um, you'd break them open and there would be an icon, like I said prior. There was the heart, the diamond, the clover, and the spade, and each one would grant you a different uh, dinosaur for help. And each dinosaur had a special ability. So the heart gave you blue Taylor. This Taylor is lighter in color and has a strange attack. Pressing the attack button unleashes Taylor's tail and sends out a projectile. The projectile seems to be an electric bolt. This bolt can destroy rocks and boulders. Also blue Taylor can jump high enough to hit the top of the screen. Blue Tailor also has the ability to walk on ice and not slip. So the jump thing for Blue Tailor was different in the Game Boy version. He couldn't jump. He could only jump normal heights, but the shockwave that he shot out of his tail was still similar. It still could break rocks and boulders. Um, he was He's the first dinosaur I got, um, and I don't know if it's a random selection, but um, yeah, he would shoot the shockwave out. So basically, as I would run through with him, I would use the tail attack every couple seconds, um, to, uh, get through it cause it saved my butt a lot. The next one is classy or, and you'd get that by getting an egg that had a dime in it. Classy is a plesiosaurus or an aquatic reptile that can travel on land as well as water. It can also go through bubbles in the water without any harm. Classy has not, has no attacks, but you can still throw your hammer off its back. So classy was cool, but I never got to use classy in the water. Um, Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass?" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I get to a water stage. Um, So the thing about normal dinosaurs is if you get to water stage, you drop in the water and they just poof, disappear. And then when you get to the next level selection screen, because that's one thing I didn't mention is, and I'll mention this now, is uh when you are playing the game and you beat a level and you go to the next level um it will or the next stage it will let you select whether you want to start the so say you start with nothing but you have all the eggs filled at the bottom um it'll have all your dinosaurs down there and then it'll have an axe so you can basically select what you want to start with um i never got to the point where i had classy in my inventory all the time and i couldn't Couldn't select her. So water stages, you drop in. If you don't have any other dinosaur besides Classy, they just die and you lose them in the next stage, in the next screen. Um, So I really wish I could have had Classy. Um, If you get a Clover, you get Don Don. Don Don is a pterodactyl, obviously making him a flying dinosaur. Although it can walk on land, it is at a slow pace and is quite fast in the air to fly. Just hold the jump button. Don Don can drop stones as a weapon, like the hammer. The stones fly in an arc. The rocks also have the properties of the hammer. So basically, it yeah, it can't break rocks or boulders, but it's pretty awesome. And once I get through this last dinosaur, I will go back to the pterodactyl because I love the pterodactyl. Um, the last dinosaur you get is Red Taylor, and it's from the spade card that you get when you break eggs. This Taylor is a darker color and breathes a long-range fireball. The fireball can destroy rocks and boulders. Red Taylor also has the ability to walk on lava, but it is difficult to separate lava and water. Lava has a jagged horizon, white bumps, and white cracks on the surface. Also, Red Taylor can jump high enough to hit the top of the screen. Not in the Game Boy version. So, um... (laughs) Anyways, back to the pterodactyl. So by the time I got to the pterodactyl and had the pterodactyl, I just spammed the crap out of it. Um, I So I would save state so I wouldn't lose the pterodactyl. Um, but the pterodactyl made getting through the game way fast, even at the point where you didn't have full health when you started the level. Basically what I would do is I would start with the pterodactyl. And I got her by accident, and I realized I had her at a, a level select screen. So I clicked on her, started the level, and then through that level, I found out what her, um, her abilities and stuff are. And then after that level, all I did was I would fly up in an angle as high as I could all the way to the end of the stage. There was only a couple stages that I couldn't do it on, which were uh, basically just cave stages. And luckily by that point, I didn't have any water stages left so it worked out in my favor. So for time's sake, I'm not gonna list what every enemy does, um, but each enemy is designated a point value, so you you kill them, most enemies took only one hit to kill, um, and they would give you so many points. Um, So I'll list the enemies off. Uh, Ammonite, which was a shelled enemy in the water stages, the bat, which were annoying because they would fly down at you or they would fly across at you. Uh, cash, um, these large pulsating sacks are about your size. Um, so basically, it's a. I don't remember this one. Um, the coyote, uh, the crab, the dragonfly, the emu, the firefly, flatworm, frog, hermit crab, jellyfish, knifefish, maggot, um, nimbus, which was a cloud, uh, octopus penguin which were annoying because the penguins would jump and then it would make snowballs fall down and at that point i had the pterodactyl and if it would send a snowball directly down under you so i was trying to save the pterodactyl so basically you'd have to like get there as fast as you could and kill it before it jumped um terra which is another pterodactyl uh rondor scorpion sea anemone seahorse uh skull snail snake Snakes spitting, so the snakes normal snakes would jump. The snake spittings spitting snakes would spit venom at you, and you'd have to jump over them then kill them. Um, spider, swine, snow hare, they would jump up and down. They were annoying too. Toucan, vulture. Um, so yeah, basically uh, that's the list. Um, enemies would range from um, twenty points to five hundred points. Um, and I so when I first started playing the game, the first couple stages they have the same cut and paste enemies but as you progress you get more to the um bestiary which isn't a feature in the game so don't take that as like i'm gonna play the game and be able to revel in this sweet bestiary um anyways so it would increase with more the more you played there'd be more enemies as you can see because i read them all off but um once you would get to a water stage or a cave stage you'd start seeing the same enemies all the time Um, so it wasn't, um, it's not surprising after a point because you just kind of, you learn the, how the enemies attack and what they do and then it just kind of, you know what to do and it makes the game fairly easy. Okay, so I'm going to go through the bosses, which the bosses will kind of, uh, it'll, it's going to tell you, because this is directly from the guide of the game, but it'll tell you, um, what area they're from and how many HP, how much HP they have. But I'll read the whole description of the boss. So the first boss you run into, um, is the plantae, which is on the first island, which is Fern an Island, and he has 20 health points. So I think each attack, because you had to hit him about 10 times, so it'd be two hits, or it'd be uh, it'd be two points of damage um, each time, and it would be dependent on what you had. So like if you're just using an axe to kill him, um, I think it was two, but I think a dinosaur might have been four, because I think uh, the dinosaurs' attacks, except for the pterodactyl. But like, say, uh, the tailors, their attacks would do four or more, so you would have to do less damage. Um, this living wall is really easy. The large pulsating bulb unleashes to two spheres. The spheres move slowly around the level, trailing a vine behind it. Then when the spheres reach the their limit, they begin to pulsate rapidly and launch straight towards you after about two seconds. You should be able to kill it before it even gets a chance to launch its projectiles. Um, I wouldn't say that's true, uh, because... I still had to deal with the projectiles and the vines, even though I spammed the attack button. Um, and that's the thing, is the vines, uh, I didn't touch them, but I think if you touch them, it kills you. Um, and one thing that I noticed is that most of the enemies' projectiles, all the enemies shot projectiles at you. Most of them would track whatever your last position was, which made it a kind of a pain in the butt when you had the pterodactyl. So... The next enemy is the King Hermit Crab and it's on Lake Island, which is the second stage. Um, it has 820 HP also. This large hermit crab acts like the smaller hermit crabs that you have met. Instead of moving back and forth through, it stays stationary. It pops out of its shell every three seconds or so and fires a pulsating projectile. The King then moves back into its shell after about three seconds. The only time you can attack it is when it is out of its shell. This boss should not be too difficult. The best strategy to stay on the left side and swim up and down. Uh, Then when it pops out of its shell and fires its projectiles, swim up and throw your hammer. Try to time your attacks. So basically, um, yeah, that's the general gist of it. But um, like I was swimming up and down a lot or close to it. And I was just continually spamming the attack button because I didn't know it was every three seconds. Um, The third boss is the Antlion, which is on Desert Island. It has 24 health. The Ant Island will appear on the screen every two seconds or so, and stay on screen for about six seconds. It only appears in three locations and will directly under the platform, um, and directly under the platform. Also, it starts from the right and then goes to the middle, then to the left. And it begins at the right side again. So what it, basically what it would do is the floor is quicksand. So if you stand too long and you don't jump and move, you sink down to the bottom and die. So you jump onto the platform. And this thing, there's three platforms, one in the middle, one on the left, one on the right. This thing pops up under one, shoots a projectile or two at you, depending on how far you are in the battle, and then disappears. So basically you would just wait for it. You could jump down on the sand, attack it a couple times, and then jump on a platform. It was actually a pretty easy one. Um, the fourth boss is the Kraken, which is on Ice Island. It has 32 health points. This large octopus will disappear and reappear every three seconds and stays on the screen for about six seconds. The Kraken only appears on the left and right large platforms. Like the antlion, the Kraken will fire a pulsating projectile at um, at you every three seconds. Um, and it would be basically, um, basically be... It would shoot at whatever your last point was um even if you were moving it would track to that point and shoot so you had to be on your toes um and then um you had limited time to hit it because once it disappeared and moved you couldn't it, you you would miss it so basically i just spammed the attack button and just timed where it was going luckily it didn't have any armor like the hermit so it was it was pretty nice uh the fourth one or the fifth one is the Flying Fox in the Cave Island. It has 32 HP. This large bat will appear after three seconds or so and stay on screen for about six seconds, which is pretty common. On the third it we'll spit a pulsating orb and then disappear after another three seconds. It will start at the left, then it will hang for from the middle, then the right side, and then back to the left. Uh, like the last two bosses, you have to stick and move. So basically, yeah, you have to kind of move around and attack it when you can. Um, the enemies weren't that bad, um, even at the last part, where um, I was basically just playing through with the pterodactyl and just super frustrating trying to get through the rest of the game with the pterodactyl. Um the sixth boss is the Sky Lord which is in the cloud island it has 24 health al- uh, also this large hawk will be a lot simpler than so basically I'm not even going to read it what it is is you're standing on clouds as platforms and it's on the, the the right side of the screen and it floats up and down and basically you just have to throw your axe at it or shoot rocks or whatever you're having to use for an attack at it do damage um it was really simple because it just moves up and down and then fires every couple seconds uh the one thing that i did notice is as you progressed um through the battle the enemy would start shooting two or three projectiles um second within seconds of each other so you kind of had to stay on your toes but like i said before they kind of track to where you last were at um the seventh boss is chila which is on volcano island um it's supposed to look like a scorpion, but uh, it didn't really. Um, basically, um, it starts at the bottom right of the screen um, and it stays there for two to three seconds. Um, well, actually, sorry. It appears after two or three seconds and then it moves after eight seconds um, to different areas. So if I remember correctly, it would. At the start of the battle, it would be on the right side of the screen, and it would go from bottom right to top right, and then when it would be done at top right, it would go to bottom left, and then top left, and then back to bottom right. So basically, um, yeah, it was just a mix-up game where you would just attack it as many times as you could, dodge the projectiles, which... I mean, for this game, like, this is all the boss battles where we're basically just dodging projectiles, um... And enemies disappearing, reappearing, and you just attacking them as many times as you could. Um, Dipotera larva, uh, which so this is the this is the last last stage, which is Dinosaur Island, and this boss had two stages in it. So basically, there was the Dipatara lava, which only had 16 HP, um, and it was basically like a large worm, and you would just um, attack it, attack it, attack it and then it would disappear, um, and then you'd attack it, attack it, attack it. But the issue with this stage was um, the platform in the middle was set up so you had to be in a specific uh, position on either the left or right screen to attack it because if you didn't, the weapon would bust up in the platform. And there were spikes lining the middle bottom of the screen, so if you got hit on your dinosaur, which would give you an extra health like the skateboard... It would knock you off it, and then 9 out of 10 times you would fall into the spikes or fall right next to it. Then it would launch a second projectile to hit you. So after you beat that, it becomes the Dipatera Adult, which, uh, like I said, Dinosaur Island, and it has uh, 32 HP. Um, It's a large fly, and it does the same thing. It flies up and down and picks which side it's going to go to, so either bottom uh, right, top right, then bottom left, top left. And you basically just had to time it the same way with the other one. This one, two to three projectiles at a time, depending on the stage. Um, This boss wasn't hard. It was just more the timing and uh, the position of your character and then watching the projectiles. Those were the three things you had to do. Um, And they just made it a point to be a little bit harder than the last boss so that you had to be more on your toes. So... So this game only had one secret. So now that we're out of the bosses, I figured I would drop the secrets. This game only had one secret and it was an island select. This select, this secret will allow you to choose any of the islands to start at. At the title screen, press right, left, right, left, A, B, A, B. This will open up a menu of all eight islands and you get to choose which island you start at, uh, which would be kind of cool. I wish I would have looked that up because I would just cheated and skipped right to the last island and beat the game. So like I said before, there were 8 islands, um, each island had 5 total stages, and then after you beat the 5th stage, and so the thing about it is you would play through a stage and then you knew you were at the end because there would be a cave, and they would cut and paste like the same, same 5 caves at the end of every stage. So um, you would get to the last cave of the 5th stage and it would go directly into the boss battle. The problem with uh, if you lost the boss battle you would actually have to start the 5th stage from the beginning again and go all the way through. The cool part though is since you have that health meter um, throughout the game that kind of just gives you tells you how much time you basically have to beat the stage. Um, when you get to the boss stage it replenishes it but then it doesn't, the, the health gauge doesn't deplete or I didn't notice it depleted. Um, so that was kind of cool and that made it a little easier. Um, but it was the same, like, this game was, the only downside to it, because it was really fun, was it was cut and paste. Um, so basically, I'm going to just kind of bust into my final thoughts on this game. Um, as you know, I'm kind of a game cheater, so I save state a lot, just so I can get a pretty clean playthrough. It can be frustrated, frustrating because um, there will be things that, that will catch you, like... Um, the spitting snakes, they caught me off guard. Uh, there's an enemy in the game that, um, so you'd run, because one of the items is a flower, you'd run over to the flower and try to eat it, but you wouldn't pick it up, and this killed me one time, because I went to get the flower, it didn't pick up, and I kept running, and then this fox enemy appears off the screen and chases after you, and you gotta jump over it to dodge it. That caught me off guard, that made me have to restart quite a few times, um... But uh, all in all, it was a fun game. Um, I I wouldn't say I was bothered by how cut and paste it was because um, you were guaranteed to have a water level um, almost in every one of them, every one of the islands, a water level. You were guaranteed to have a level where you would just have to climb to the top of the cave. Um, and this was rotated out with a couple other ones that were like traverse through the cave and then like when you get to those you'd have to encounter like um quicksand or uh one of them one of the caves and it was like near the end you had quicksand that would kill you and it, also the quicksand had um worms that would swim up and try to get you um and then it had a drip of water that you had to time right because um, if the drip fell on you it would kill you it would destroy your dinosaur it would kill you um and then there was a beehives and the beehives would just shoot a little pulsating orb. It was supposed to be a bee, but it, the orb would shoot would track to you, and you'd have to dodge out of the way or kill the hive. Um, other than that, and the cut and pasteness of the game, it was very fun. I actually enjoyed playing through it. This isn't the first, and this isn't the first time I played through it. When I first got my uh, retrostation, um, I that was one of the first games I touched. Um, it's it's actually really fun. Um, but yeah, like I said it's pretty cut cut and paste. You're gonna run into a lot of the same things. Level dynamics are about the same, um, which I mean can be said about most platforms platformers. Um, but I like how they kept it a little fresh and it wasn't a lot it wasn't like Mario where um, each stage well each stage had a theme but it wasn't like Mario where like you're gonna occasionally get a water stage or you're gonna get a group of water stages together. They try to make it fresh, even though it was cut and paste and the same. Um, they try to make it fresh so that you would get through an island, and the, ne- the next island would, island would go through the same scheme of, like, um, normal island outside, then inside cave climbing or exploration of the cave, um, then a water stage, and then a couple other would get through the stage, and then um, just basic go from point A to point B, and then fight the boss. So basically that was that was kind of the, the blueprint of the stages. Um, I thought the dinosaur mechanic was super cool. I, I enjoyed getting every dinosaur. I just wish I would have had the, the water dinosaur more and got to do the water stages with it. Um, all in all, great game. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a 10 out of 10, but definitely an 8 out of 10. Um, I'm really excited pl- about playing the second one and any of the other games that I have on my other emulation uh, emulators. So um, yeah, this was uh, episode eight of Gamer Daddy, midweek episode special, Adventure Island. Um, hopefully this game inspires you to check out Adventure Island for the Game Boy and play it yourself. Also, if you do go that route and you play it, send me your thoughts on the game. Strength at gmail.com at gmail.com and I will leave the email in the description and that was Gamer Daddy and we'll see you on the next one which will probably be Sunday bye guys thanks for listening rate and review me wherever you listen to podcasts if you'd like to say what's up or suggest something for a future podcast hit me up at koKenStrength strength at gmail.com the intro theme is cascade by cubby and the outro is discovery by Owen Jones Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next Gamer Daddy. Thanks for listening. Rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to this podcast. If you want to say hi, or have a suggestion for a future episode, you can reach me at gamerdaddypod at gmail.com. All feedback is welcome. The intro theme is Cascade by Cubby, and the outro is A Story to Tell by Sonatix. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next Gamer Daddy. And, by the way, to clear this up, I'm the host, not Josh.